0: So we're we're, we're looking at a series on faith, and um, don't know was it two weeks ago I spoke on the first bit of Hebrews, was it here? About the solid islands to walk on, that's two weeks ago. Um, And uh, we're on to the second bit of Hebrews. So I'm going to read verses 1 to 5, which is sort of the text really first, Uh, should be on screen, which I might read from the screen, this one. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man, when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. So the text this morning reads, verse 4, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain to God. Let's, take, let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. So, Father, just pray that as we come to your word, <laughs> Father, we can still have fun, but we also want to just hear your spirit speak. We'll just give you permission, Lord God, by your spirit, to speak words of challenge or encouragement, words of grace always words of love always, into our hearts and spirits this morning. Bless your name. Amen. Amen. And so what, what, in the thrust of Hebrews 11, he's made a statement about faith, which we talked about two weeks ago, and then Laurie unpacked some more stuff last week about that. And then he goes on with his list of examples. And most of Hebrews 11 is a list of examples to illustrate uh, faith and aspects of it and and how it impacts and what saving faith is in the world Uh, and and that's that's a great way of doing it and some of you here uh, have um, like me been teachers in a past life or present life uh, and you'll know how that's a very powerful technique you've got a difficult concept and you use an example right to try and try and explain it yeah get that and some of you, like me, will know that situation when you're uh, teaching something and you have a difficult concept and you choose an example to, to explain it. And halfway through the explanation, you think, this is more complicated than the original thing. Yeah, who's got that? And you carry on for a bit longer thinking and they think, no, this is really not good. I need to get back to the basic idea. And this, I have to say, when I... I think I shared two weeks ago, I had to preach on this passage a long, long time ago when I was 18. Uh, and I get this feeling with this first bit here. Our writer is going to give examples of faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, of, of, of taking God at his word, of, of trusting that when he says it's solid, it's solid. And the first example he chooses is Cain and flipping Abel. I mean, given the scope you've got, mate, why on earth do you start there? Avoid the obtuse and complex. I'm, I mean, just it's just mad, my problem is, in what way does this illustrate faith? It does do, because, I mean, I don't want to argue with Hebrews. It's Scripture. It's right. <laughs> it's never a good place to be, argue with Scripture. But, you know, you're choosing your examples, and the first one you have, I used to think, I used to think, was this rather bizarre thing. Let's go back to Genesis and see what I mean. I'm going to read Genesis 4. It may be on screen. It may not. You know, do you know the story? Hello? Do you know the story? But I'll read a bit anyway. Um, Genesis four, verse one. Adam made love. So, uh, at Genesis four has come after Genesis three. It's <laughs> 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 uh, cool. the way I tell them. Um, Genesis three, they've been thrown out the garden, right? And they've put the cherubim and the flaming sword thing to stop them coming back in, right? By the way, I'd, it only quite recently it occurred to me that all this stuff in Genesis four is happening outside the garden. But you can still see the garden. There's still the cherubim and the flashing sword. They've not been thrown a million miles away. That happens to Cain later. But they're still in sight of the garden. The Lord God is still walking in the garden. I, I, and then my mind goes like this. How on earth do they sleep? There's a flaming sword washing around the whole time. Presumably it's 24 hours a day. I mean, how do you sleep with a flaming sword and a cherubim next door to you? I expect they're in a bit further away, actually. Just a bit safer. This is... This is they are fallen, but not forsaken. Part of the whole story of the brilliant way that God—I mean, we're sinful. Amen. We rebel against God, but God is so gracious. And these are for these guys. Faith isn't like it is for a lot of our people we meet in day-to-day lives, out in the street, in Amersham, in Costa, wherever you are. They don't even know that there is a God. You have to start the conversation trying to convince them there was a a loving, personal, infinite God. Now, that's not a problem for Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. The flipping garden's just there. But the separation has come. And it's terrifying. You know, probably in the early part of Genesis, people live for a long time. But it's terrifying how fast, once you've broken, once they've rebelled against God and lost that fellowship with God, how fast things collapse and how fast evil takes over. It's quite scary, really. Had I gone to that? Oh, no, yes, gentlemen. So that's where they are, okay? Uh, Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant, Genesis one, and gave birth to Cain, firstborn, Cain. It cannot not have been somewhere in Eve's mind, I don't think, that the promise that comes in the judgment, really it's spoken to the serpent, isn't it? You know, you will bruise his heel and he will bruise your head. The promise that there will be a seed that will win it back which of course is Jesus, and Eve had no concept I of how far that might be, she's got a boy. Is this the seed? Boy, was she wrong, if that's what she thought. Sometimes parents have unrealistic expectations for their kids. I never thought my sons were Jesus. That's all right, don't worry about that, but not the bad. Just that they might actually live in the UK near me sometimes. Um... Uh, latest, so she, she said. With the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. She said. Um, you can imagine it, can't you? Just take you back there to Adam and Eve. They've got the first baby. Whoa! And they've got to give him a name. And these days, of course, you go online and go to the naming websites. And so they go online and go to the name websites and saying, oh, what's the favourite boy's name in the last wherever?" Adam. And that appears to be all there is. In fact, that's the only name. Um, that's, that's going to be embarrassing, um, two Adams, can't do that. I uh, haven't got surnames yet, no one's invented those yet, so what are we going to do? Uh, well, we've got a uh, got, that's a good word, we'll do the word. Cain apparently is like the Hebrew word for got or to get, um, got a man. And then she has a brother boy. Later, verse 2, she gave birth to brother Abel. Some of the scholars, and my Hebrew is worse than my French, which is saying something, but uh, some of the scholars say you could be the twins. Later might mean, you know, just a bit later, make sense? Or it could mean 100 years later apparently. Um, anyway, Cain's the older and Abel's the younger. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. G- again, does anyone think about that? Just hold on a second. Cain worked the soil, fine. Abel kept flocks, but they don't, they're not allowed to eat meat until Genesis, whenever it is nine, After is it? What are they keeping flocks for, I'm thinking? Clothing, presumably? Or manure? But I do not know. Sorry, that's just the whole of this story. Hebrews 11, why did you use Cain and Abel? There's so many questions about this story. In the course of time, verse 3, get gets serious now, Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. I will go on in a second, but let's just do that bit first. There's not, Genesis doesn't really say much more about why Cain's offering was unacceptable and Abel's offering was acceptable. There are hints, possibly, but then there's Hebrews 11. The difference is Abel offered by faith and Cain didn't. Now later on, the, later on, as we go through it, we see that Cain's character comes out in the way he responds and, and the way he does not hear God's uh, attempt to bring him back online, and he kills his brother and then gets excluded and all the stuff. But at this point, when they bring their offering, very, very early on, this is this is you know they're just the first two people, and and, and they come presumably. I can't imagine they get near the cherubim and take it towards the garden. I presume, and they make their offering, their worship, and already you've got this, it's possible to bring an offering, do the right thing, but do it from a situation which is, I don't know, a religious spirit, carnal worship, that doesn't come from faith. And, and, and there's hints in the text, because Abel brings the fat portions of the firstborn, a hint that he tries to do the absolute best he can, that he realizes. But I think the difference between the two it's not really what they did, but the way they did it, that, that Abel comes knowing, knowing that he's a sinner, that he's outside the garden, and he comes to God, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I trust you to be a loving Father God, though He's not really in that sense yet, and I must't put too many New Testament words into his mouth. I don't know what he thought. I have no idea. but he came in faith, oh my word. This is why I think, I suppose it's the first one as well, chronologically, but why the writer of the Hebrews picks it up. Because it's really, it's this, this, is, this is a core thing. Externally, they both do the right thing. They bring an offering of what they've got. You can't complain, really, that Cain didn't bring flocks. He, only, he, he, was, he, was, a, he was farming. He brought what he had. They brought their worship. but they could, It's a way of bringing, coming to worship which does not, God's not pleased. God does not accept it. Is that a hard thing to say? It's where I do sometimes. Um, let's take other churches where I go sometimes and do things elsewhere. You look at people and you think, oh, what? Are there are people who come to church in England still, who come out of, sort of duty, out of an obligation. It's done. Now I can go and have my day by myself. Do you know what I mean? And let's, be, let's not be too self-righteous here. I mean, and we're just so glad, Lorry, and me, that people have come back and have engaged in family. We're so glad that you made the effort. But sometimes it becomes a habit for us too, doesn't it? And we just come and turn up and go through the motions. What are you doing? There is not a cherubim and a flaming sword here, but you come into the presence of a holy, almighty God. And you don't do that cockily ever you don't do that just because it's a thing to do. I know I'm talking to the, convert to that right word, I'm talking to the people, and you know this stuff, don't you? And we're the people who do come. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I can only stand God. I only can only come near to your presence out of faith, out of trusting your word and your promise. When Abel did it, the promise was a long timing fulfillment. Who knows how many years. Maybe if you take the paleontology, it's 100,000 years. Maybe if you take the Genesis dates, it's like five or six thousand. Who knows? Long time, anyway. I can only come into God's presence on that basis. And, and, and to go on to in the Hebrews thing, go back to Hebrews. I'm going to make you work here. Oh. Go back to Hebrews, get to verse six. <laughs> and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he awards those who seek him. That's quite, let's forget the second bit. Without faith. You see, there's a, a right approach in worship. And that's what our writer picks up. And the right approach is worship in faith, that I believe you're there, God, and I believe your promises for me. And that, for us, guys, means we know that we're sinners. We're saved by grace. We have every right to be here. But it's a right that's not ours by right. It's a right that's given to us by Jesus. Amen. It's a right that we claim, but in that position of Lord. And Cain comes, I think. That's my, 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 my spin on this. And I think it's the uh, writer Hebrews thing as well. Cain comes not in that attitude. You can tell it from what happens later. Oh, the descent, the clap. Back to Genesis. Sorry, Paul. Back to Genesis. So it says, we've got to. We got, so Cain, verse 5, was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So now Cain has done it wrong. Because in some ways he's come with that attitude of, you know, not faith attitude. And God doesn't just say that's it, off. He just talks to him. The Lord speaks to him and says, why are you angry? Do what's right. You will be accepted. There's still you know, grace in Father in this. But if you don't, if you don't move yourself into the position of coming to me in faith, then sin is crouch. It's this picture of a little demon crouching to spring, isn't it? It desires to have you. So much truth in that as well. You see, the enemy wants us to fall. He wants to pull us down. But he, he desires to have us. We can overcome it. We have to choose to walk in the strength of the Spirit. It's not inevitable here. It's not that it's not, it has to be this way. There's going to be a lot of failure coming on in Genesis, and the story goes on, but, it's, but God says the sin is crouching at your door. Be aware of what, what, you can, what you're getting into here. There's still an offer of grace. Come, do the right thing. Come back in the right relationship. I guess all of you are in right relationship with Jesus. Let's never give up encouraging people to come back in the right relationship. It all starts there, for all of us. But Cain said to his brother Abel, "Let's go to the field." And when in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, "Where's your brother Abel? I don't know," he said, "I'm my, bro- my brother's keeper." And the punishment goes on, goes from, goes from coming to worship in the wrong attitude, without proper faith, to being angry. Who was he angry with? His face was downcast. He angry with God, or with himself, or with his brother. I don't actually know. Possibly all of them. To being offered a lifeline by God, but then deciding and scheming to get rid of Abel. To murder. And then to just lying about it. I mean, that sort of deceit that says, "You know, I don't know where he is. There's only four people on the planet, sort of thing. You know, it can't be that hard. want to say there's something in Cain's attitude here not his first so the real sermons about faith coming to God and worshiping faith. but there's also something here that just just struck me when I was reading it and that's the fact that I think part of Cain's problem was that Abel's was accepted the scholars again don't know how God showed his acceptance whether fire came down or there's a big sort of you know um I don't know prize of jammy dodgers or whatever I don't know what it was but some way God told Abel it's accepted and Cain it wasn't right and I think a lot of Cain's anger is the fact Abel, his younger brother, got accepted. I think I, I, I just want to say there's something about the way God deals with us all individually. Cain's story is not Abel's story, and we never would have been. They both had the chance, right? And sometimes, as Christians, we want other people's stories too badly. Sometimes, as Christians, I, I, I'll make it personal to me and Laurie because that's the safe place to go, all right? Okay, as far as I know, and when I get heaven, I may find I'm completely wrong on this. I've never been healed miraculously by prayer. You know, been felt a bit better for that things. I'm deaf in my left ear, which is worth knowing that, because you want to insult me, do it on this side, and I can't hear you. Um, um, if I sit with you at dinner table, I would sit, you know, that's 20-odd years now, um, and I've, I've had it prayed for a lot, right? And and it's not been healed. <laughs> and clearly God can heal it. And and and, and Loris had what, that stuff you can't breathe, um, asthma, right? i was healed miraculously. I want to be healed miraculously. Maybe God doesn't love me so much. Do you get where this is going? Indeed, actually, there was a time when a couple of people would in, 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 stand up front and say, oh, so-and-so's been healed because God loves them so much. Well, it's true, God, they are, they are true statements, but they're not connected. God has healed them. Amen! God does love them. Amen. But it's not, in a sense, the same causal link. <laughs> Cain's story was never going to be Abel's story. He didn't, but it, but it could have been. He had a chance to walk with Jesus, and my, and I just want to say to you guys, just if don't ever be jealous of other people's experience the way it's gone, right? God is brilliantly look at look around at you. Look at you. You're none of you the same. It's amazing. Uh, um, I mean, I don't. I do look like any red main. So Larry told me, I actually am any red main, but. Don't be jealous of other people's experience. Don't look at what's God's doing. Why is God accepted? <laughs> in a sense, do it straight yourself. Jesus loves you. You are special. You're unique. Your journey will be your journey. I love that thing in, in Lamb which is the wardrobe, where Aslan says, I don't tell you anybody else's story. Let's pray. I couldn't say the band's going to come back, but that means Laurie. (laughs) 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 Sorry, mate. (laughs) Let's stand. (laughs) Let's (laughs) stand. Woo! So, God, first of all, just want to say, we just want to confess, first of all, the times we've come to worship, not really in faith, in absolute faith, but locally, which is just my habit. Sorry, Lord. Sorry. Even this morning, if you did. And we're just aware, God, that our only way, our only confidence in approaching you is through the completed work of Jesus. And we have faith to believe that is absolutely effective for us. And we stand in your presence as your kids, loved by you, closer to your presence than Cain and Abel ever were, because they had a cherubim in the way, and spiritually we're in your presence now. Holy Almighty God, we worship you. Father, just help us to never be jealous of of other Christians around us. Help us always to see what you're doing with us. And we thank you for your love. And we're going to worship by faith.